Who knows that we know the end of the story? I want you just to say that out loud. We know the end of the story. We know the end from the beginning. I believe the Lord sent me with a word today, which is this. Read your story in reverse. Everybody say, I'm going to live my life in reverse. Wow. I want to just read some things to you. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah 46, verse 9, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. It says, verse 10, Only I can tell you the future before it happens. And everything, everybody say everything. Everything I plan will come to pass. Who knows that what the Lord plans comes to pass. It says in the New King James Version, it says, declaring the end, verse 10, from the beginning. Declaring the end from, everybody say, God declared the end from the beginning. Who believes it? God declared the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Isn't that amazing? It says in Isaiah 48, 3, Long ago, I told you what was going to happen. Then suddenly, I took action, and all my predictions came true. Wow. Now, just quickly, I have so much scripture here today, so we're not going to Get it, we're not going to get it all on the screen, and, and I'm going to give you the abridged version. If you want all of it, you can come see me. I'll give you the references here, and whoever's listening, you can go and read this in your own time. But the Lord has really has something for me to say today. It's very important. Sometimes you don't understand what God's doing. You know, Jesus would go to a place, and it seemed like, what was he doing there? Why was he doing what he was doing? But the Lord uh, does things uh, prophetically, the Lord speaks words, um, things that we don't even understand, things that you don't even understand in your brain, but it's doing something in your spirit. Amen? Who believes that? Who's actually had a change happen in your spirit? You began to think differently and talk differently, but you really couldn't remember how or why or where it began, but God began to do things. Amen? And so the, the, just, just quickly, the Bible says in John 1.1, in the beginning, the Word already existed. Everybody say, in the beginning, the Word already was. The Bible says that the Word, it says here in John 1, I'm just going to give you the abridged. Who's the Word of God? Who is it? Come on, we know as the church, it's Jesus, right? So the Bible says of itself that before it was the law, before Moses ever wrote down and recorded what happened, the Bible says Jesus 
well, already was. Amen. The Bible says of itself, before it ever became a book, it was Jesus. And then the Bible says that it became a book, but the book shouldn't take away from the Jesus. Who knows that many are trying to take away from Jesus with books and with words. You know, the word of God is powerless in words. They study it in colleges. It is only by the Spirit of God that anoints those words, praise God. You can read the words till, you know, you can read them till you're blue. And I've heard testimonies of people just heard the word. They didn't plan on getting saved. They got saved. I don't think it was the words. It was the Spirit of the Lord. Because how many Christians have heard the word their whole life? And, and then all of a sudden, it becomes a revelation one day. So it's not just the words. It was the Spirit of God anointing the words. And so the Bible says that that word became flesh, became Christ on the earth. And it says that they did not recognize him. Wow. So Jesus was before time. He walked into time. And the Bible says in Revelation, come on, who knows we have the book of Revelation, 2,000 years in advance. John the Revelator became, uh, you know, uh, un just overwhelmed by the presence of God and was taken to a place, whether it was on the earth or in heaven, doesn't really matter, but he went outside of time. Come on, who believes that? And he began to see things that we haven't even seen yet ourselves. So Jesus was before. He was in the present, and he's in the future. I want you to say that out loud. Jesus was before. He was in the present, and he's in the future. Who believes that he's just as capable of being in your past and in your present right here and now and in your future? The Bible says in Revelation 19, it says, verse 11, then I saw heaven opened. You know, sometimes I read these verses. I come and I bring these to the church because I think it's an encouragement. We should read the book of Revelation to be encouraged. You're not going to read it to get in fear about trials and tribulations that have come on the earth. I read it and I'm encouraged. Every time I do, I'm filled with faith when I hear these words. The Bible says, I saw heaven open and a white horse was standing there, and its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war, and his eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and a name was written on him that no one understood except himself, and he wore a robe dipped in blood. And his title was the Word of God. In verse 14, the armies of heaven dressed in white and on white horses with him. Verse 15, from his mouth came a sharp sword. And verse 16, and on his robe and at his thigh was written the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In verse 19, he said, And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth. Verse 20, they were captured and thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And in chapter 20, it says that I saw death and the grave thrown into the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. 
chapter 21. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. In verse 4, Revelation 21, verse 4, it says, He, I want you to say this out loud, He will. The Bible says He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things are gone forever. And then he says, and the one sitting on the throne said, I am making everything new. Verse 6, he said, it, everybody say this out loud, it is finished. I am the Alpha. Come on, Mike. We didn't even talk about that, Michael. I am the Alpha. He didn't ask me, hey, can I play this song? And I didn't say, hey, can you play that song? I am the Alpha. And it's kind of out of, it's not super common, is it? I think that's, this is very special what the Lord's doing today, making a confirmation here. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Do you know what that means? Well, the NLT tells us it means the beginning. Everybody say, he is the beginning and he's the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Do you know? Verse 6, when he said, it is finished. When did Jesus also say it is finished? On the cross. What do you think John was viewing when he heard Jesus say this? Come on, do you know that God, I talk about time a lot, and maybe it's just my own obsession, but I also think that the Lord wants us to talk about it. Because, you know, that's the, you know that that is the thing that the end time church, come on, the church and the world, you know that time is their stumbling block? Do you know what it says? Come on, we know our word, Christians. What's it say? It says, they said, oh, they've been saying that for a long time, that he's going to come. So maybe the Lord's got me talking about time so much so that we get in into our heads that that's the worldly time is a worldly perspective. Do you know that time was invented? You know that God did not invent time. Who thinks Adam and Eve had a clock? Do they have a watch? Do they have to report to work at 9? Check out at 5. Do you think they knew what Saturday and Sunday was? Come on. I'm just bringing some reality to us. Time, it's useful, has some purpose so I can, you know, be at a, an appointment. An important, maybe you want to be at your wedding day. You know, it's, it's 10 a.m., time to show up for the wedding. Maybe time, we can use it. It's a tool, but don't get trapped within it. And I believe that's what this, the heart of the sermon is going to be today, that the enemy's trying to trap Christians in time. You need to begin to see your life outside of time. Jesus is not in time. He stepped into time, but he's the Alpha and the Omega. That means before there was time and after there's time. That's who Jesus is. I am when there was no time and when there will be no time. And I stepped into your time for your sake, but that is not my domain and it's not supposed to be yours. When he said it is finished, John's seeing this picture at the end. What do you think Jesus was seeing on the cross? When Jesus said it's finished on the cross, come on, this is exciting. Who's excited? Who's encouraged with some faith? This is bringing some faith to me, reading these words. 
Jesus was on the cross, but he actually was seeing the end. Does it seem finished for you? Come on, I want you to micromanage right, your circumstances. I want you to look really close at your pains, your worries, your fears, your struggles, and all your junk. Does it seem finished? But Jesus said it is. Is it finished? Come on, this is a question. It's only not finished because you're viewing it from time. Wow. Come on, I'm not trying to be heady. I'm not trying to be smart, Alec, today. I mean, this is the word of God. Jesus, when he said, it is finished, he meant it, praise God. And that means that we must view our circumstances, you must view life itself from his perspective, which means I'm, I'm dealing with such and such, and it doesn't make sense, and I don't understand the time frame but God, you said it is finished. So it's finished. The devil's like, no, it's not. Does it seem finished to you? And I'm like, well, Satan, I think that we need a reminder. We need a little reminder. Uh, when he comes and lies to you, you should just remind him of this. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. Come on, even, what is death? You know what death is? <laughs> death is this life that you're living in here, in this room. Your body is dying. Let's just be realistic. Come on. The body, the moment it's born, begins to die. Some people, it takes 18 years. They go and they lay down their life on the battlefield for another soldier. Some people, it's 90, 115, some sort of weird story out there. But that's just time. The Lord gave me a word for today. He said, it's just a matter of time. And I began to meditate on that because I was like, wow, that has so many different meanings. Just two of the meanings. We can say it's a matter of time because we, we have that saying in the earth, right? It's just a matter of time before I'm going to see what I'm going to see or whatever's going to happen. But then the other side of it is the Lord was also doing a play on words. Sometimes it catches my attention with me. Who, who does that? Who is the, the Lord does that with you? Says something to me in Greek or Hebrew that I don't speak. And I'm like, I need to go look that up, right? Says something to me in a little of an enigma, right? He's the mysterious God. The Bible says he speaks in parables, right? He speaks in mysteries. And it's our joy, right? We just read it on Tuesday. It's our, it's our joy. It's our excitement to go, right? It's the king, right, who goes and says, I'm going to figure out what, what this means. And so I began to meditate, and I was like, wow, it's just time. Everybody say, it's just time. But you're like, well, yeah, it's just time while I'm here suffering. It's just time. I've had us do this before, but I want us to do this again. I want you just to try to remember yesterday. Do everything you can do to put yesterday into a 24-hour period. All it is is a feeling. Can you really meditate on 24 hours? What about the last 40 years of your life? It's just a feeling. You know, my son said it, right? Elijah said it, that he goes, you know, 
vacations are much more about memories than the experience themselves. You're only on the trip for a week, but it's something then you talk about, right, Aunt Susan? You know, 20 years later, still saying, like, this port, I remember the port, I remember getting off in this place and all these things, but it's just a feeling, which means, come on, let's just, let's, let's just see this. See, the devil wants, you to, wants to trap you in, well, I can't go on. But you made it this far. And all you have, to, all you have whether good, bad, I mean, you could have the a most amazing time, right? All good things must come to an end. Doesn't matter if it was a good time or a bad time. Do you know that they all get summed up in a feeling? Just some, you got to go into this like memory bank and pull out a file. I mean, the other question is, I, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be weird. I just want to challenge us. Is it real? Did it happen? Can you prove that it happened? Like, well, sure, I, other people were there. I got photos, you know. Let's say we didn't have technology. Could you really prove that, that you were there yesterday? I'm just trying to say this. The Bible says that God knew you in your mother's womb. He knew you. He didn't know a little baby. He knew you. Everybody say, I'm me here today. Right? We grow, right? Little babies, we love these babies, but they're going to turn into yous. <laughs> right? We love the children, right? But there's a person inside there with a call and a purpose and the giftings and abilities that God's going to use in this world. Amen. Praise God. God, that's the person God's talking about, which means God is looking from outside of time and saying, I know you. And I know what you're going to do before you even think about it. Before you sin and make a mess of yourself, I've already got the restoration and the fix figured out for that to be used in your life. Wow. Who's being encouraged today? The last verse from Revelation, you don't need to look there, but Revelation 22, he said, again, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first. I'm the last. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. I'm coming soon with my reward. The Lord reminded me of a story. When I was 15, I was riding a quad, an ATV, and my foot got stuck underneath the back wheel, really gross, and just bored a hole right in my ankle. And so we needed a, a surgeon to come in because it wasn't just stitches because you could see into the, you know, like through the bones into the little hole in there and I was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't like incredibly painful. I was certainly uncomfortable, but we needed some surgery to get it fixed. So surgeon comes in and he's like, we're going to give you morphine. I remember my mom being all concerned. She's like, but he's never had drugs before. He laughs, which was the truth. Cause like, God forbid a Christian kid who never did drugs. The guy's laughing. He's like, he's 15. Of course he's done drugs. Well, anyway, but she's like, well, he's going to, you know, going to give you morphine. And he's like, don't worry, you're not going to remember the pain. And I had, a I had a conversation with him then. I said, yeah, but I'm here now. So I'm going to experience the pain now. And he goes, but you won't remember it. I'm like, well, you're not. I won't remember it, but I'm gonna ex you're going to have to do some Because like, I can't put you out. The best thing to do is keep you awake. We're going to have to do a little dig. We're going to clean this thing out. We're going to do some interior stitches, and then we're going to do some exterior stitches. But don't worry, you won't remember it. 
I won't remember it. And you know, I don't remember it. I remember talking to him. He's having a conversation with me. I remember him doing something down there in my ankle. But I don't remember the pain. He told the truth. I don't remember it. I didn't remember it when it was done. It's not like it's because it was a long time ago. It's just the moment it was finished, I didn't remember the pain. He was telling the truth. Morphine did a little. The Lord blessed us. Thank God. The Lord put things in the earth to help us in those situations. Come on, those are miracles too. Sometimes we're like, why doesn't God heal people? And we're like, he gave us morphine. I mean, praise God. Right on the battlefield, that's where they were really using it, World War II, you know? There's little, like, little things just giving people something to ease their pain right there in the, like, right there, instantly. I mean, praise God. But it's a little picture that the Lord says you need to stop looking at what you're going through. Stop looking at your life from time. Because you won't remember the pain when it's finished. And you're, say, you're arguing with God saying, but God, I'm here now. And God's saying, but you won't remember it. And you're like, but Lord, I'm going to experience it now. And he's like, but you won't remember it. You won't remember the pain. You'll just remember the experience without the pain. Come on. Wow. I didn't try to, you know, I don't try to sit down and think of clever stories for sermons. It's just the opposite. The Lord just reminds things to me and, and or just, and, you know, there's just things will come and I'll start jotting them down. And the Lord writes the sermons. I can honestly say that, you know, whether they come out good or not, it's coming through me. So that's the vessel. But the Lord does that. Praise God. So that story to me was encouraging me, and I feel like it needed to encourage someone here. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 41, Genesis 41, verse 50. Genesis 41, verse 50, speaking of Joseph. And the Bible says, during this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, the daughter of of Potiphar, and uh, Joseph named, verse 51, his older son, Manasseh. Everybody say, Manasseh. Manasseh means, God has made me forget all my troubles. Wow. He named his son, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. And he named his second son, verse 52, Ephraim. For God, he said, for God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. I said I had a lot of scripture, and you're like, well, that doesn't seem overwhelmingly a lot right this minute, but so I'm just going to, we're not even going to try to put this on the screen, because I just want to just tell you the story of, of Joseph, but you can go ahead and read it in your own time. It starts in Genesis chapter 37, and maybe someone's listening on the podcast, and you can read all the way through Genesis 41, but we know the story. What happened? Just very quickly, Joseph... He's 17 years old, key point, right? Because we're talking about time. He's 17 years old, and uh, Jacob, he loves this child. He's his youngest at the time, and he gives him this special, beautiful robe, right? Who remembers the story? Just reminding 
us of the story. Many of you know it well. Some just need a little bit better reminder. But he's, he's given him this beautiful robe, and, and his brothers, they hate Joseph. And we don't need to, today's sermon, we don't need to get into why and all that. That's not really the point of my sermon, but there's a hatred, there's, there's rivalry, right? So, but here's Joseph, he's blessed. Everybody say, Joseph is blessed. And everybody say this, and Joseph is loved, right? The coat of many colors, it represented his, the love of the father and the blessing of the father on him. That's what the coat represented, right? It was, he, was, he was blessed by God, blessed by his father and loved by his father. And the Bible says that Joseph has a dream. Everybody say, Joseph had a dream. And so God's giving him blessing, he's giving him love, and he even gives Joseph dreams. And the dream is that Joseph, one day, his brothers are going to bow down to him. And then he says, even the stars, they bow down to me. Well, that just fuels their hatred. And so one day they said, let's kill him. And says that they, they said, here comes the dreamer, the mockery, right? This is just Satan. You know, the Bible says we don't war against flesh and blood, Right? It's not flesh and blood. It's not the person who says those words to you, the person who does whatever they're doing to you. It's Satan behind those words, right? Praise God that it's not the people. That gives us the grace and mercy to pray for them and stand in the gap for them. Amen? But anyway, he got, Satan's using his brothers at this time, and here comes the dreamer, just like Satan. That's what he says, you know, oh, God's going to use you. God loves God doesn't love you. God's not going to use you. And, 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 and so on and so on, right? Comes and starts to try to steal and take away what God has given you. So the Bible says that they ripped off, this is important, they ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing, and they, they, they coated an animal's blood, right? And they bring it back to their father and say, look, you know, Joseph is dead. And meanwhile, they decide at the same time, let's not just kill him, then, you know, it's our own flesh and blood. Let's sell him for 20 pieces of silver into slavery. So now here's this loved and blessed, even has a dream from God, even multiple dreams from God. Praise God. Come on, who's, who's getting encouraged already? He's, he's been blessed by God, loved by God, given a, a plan and a purpose by God. We don't understand it. We don't understand what that means yet. But all of a sudden, uh, he's suddenly, he's down in Egypt and now he's under the rule of Potiphar. He's an Egyptian officer. And, but the Bible says the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him, but he was in slavery. And he's in this place of slavery for an unknown amount of time. But at some point in that time, uh, Potiphar's wife, she lies and says, Joseph tried to rape me. And now he goes lower Right? Come on, this is the, I'm just giving you the abridged story, right? We know the story. Now he goes lower, and now Joseph, who I was just meditating on this, maybe he was even thinking, God, you know, this is not quite what I thought you meant when you said uh, that I had a dream, that people were going to bow down to me, because, you know, the, maybe I'm, you know, I'm the, uh, the Lord's, you're blessing me, and, and I, and I have people under me, but Lord, I'm also in slavery here in Egypt. Not quite what, but, but I can get my head around it. Okay, Lord, this must be what you meant. I don't know, maybe the stars, you know, and we try to interpret, we try to help God figure out what his dreams for us are. And like, I'm going to make sense of this position I'm in. And, and, and we get our head around it. And that's the very moment that you go lower. 
Now he's down, and the Bible says later on in the, in the Psalms and in the prophets that, talking of, of Joseph, that the iron hurt his feet, hurt his wrists. He was in pain. He was suffering, and yet the Bible says the Lord was with him. Everybody say, but the Lord was with him. But there he is now. Now he's down at the lowest you could possibly go. He's in a dungeon. He's in Egypt's dungeon. And the Bible says that there was a glimmer of hope. Come on, who's gotten a glimmer of hope in your life? Who thinks this is my ticket out? This is it. Man, I'm out. The Lord's finally going to deliver me. The Bible says that one day Pharaoh's cupbearer and his baker end up in prison right alongside Joseph. And he overhears them talking, and they're saying, you know, hey, we had this dream. His ears perk up, and what we don't see is that, but we have to see the implications. We, we see it in, in between the words is that Joseph is still honoring God. We know by his actions, and we know by what he begins to say here, that he still hasn't given up on God. It seems like God gave up on him. But, see, but yet, the Lord was with him, and he does not deny God. And so here he is, but his ears perk up, and he says, Oh, God's the one who can interpret dreams. Tell me your dreams. So they tell him his dreams, and Joseph says, Here's my way out. When you get back to Pharaoh, because you're, you're right there. You're right at his right hand. Tell him that I'm in here. He said, Tell him that... Uh, that I, I'm, I'm not supposed to be here, and that he said, I was kidnapped, and I was taken from my homeland, and I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Ugh. Bad words. Listen, you don't have to like me right now, but God does not respond to the words deserve good, bad, or ugly. You don't have to like me because I know you don't. But you don't deserve anything. You can never say deserve to God. Before I bring it to this sermon here to some completion, I just want to read to you the position that Joseph was in when he said, I don't deserve it. You know, this, I just, I've seen these, these charts before, and I went to go look them up because I was just just, Lord just reminded me, and I was just thinking about what life, we don't understand our lives. We don't really understand our purpose here on this earth. This is not it. And I was just listening to something on the way here, and I heard him say it, confirming. This is only a tiny fraction. I've said this to you before, but you cannot measure time against infinity. Tony in, right? Anything times zero equals zero. Anything times infinity always equals infinity. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah. That's right. It always equals infinity. When you get outside of time, you cannot measure time against it. It's just beyond, it's, it's beyond, right? Math doesn't really know how to compute this. We have an equation for it, but it really doesn't make sense, does it, to our brains? You just have to accept it. I began to think about this. Joseph, at this point, is in prison for 
as he talks to the cupbearers, it's 11 years. Two years later, because we're reading our story in reverse, praise God. I'm going to bring that to some completion now. We know the end. What's the end of the story? We already read it. I read it before we started. God made me forget all my troubles, and he, he blessed me in this land of my grief. That's the end of the story. But in the moment, at 11, year 11, it's I did nothing to deserve this. Please get me out of here. Wow. I did a little math. I'm not, I'm not a mathematician, and usually I mess it up. But I tried to calculate. The Bible says of God, you ready for this? The Bible says a day, your day, right? God's day is, a, is, is one. Your day is a thousand years. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years. So I reversed it. I said, okay, let me just... It's such a big number, it's, it's hard for my mind to figure out that I, I, may, I couldn't figure out if I hit 58 minutes or 58 seconds when I tried to calculate how long was 13 years. In fact, I did 17 years just because that's when his brothers finally bow down to him. We don't really have a time for that. It's the clock's already up and I'm not even finished, but we're not even, we weren't going to touch that. But his brothers do come and bow down to him. That's not till 17 years. 17 years. If you were to use some algebra, right, and we say a thousand is to a day, means, right, it equals out to be that, that 17 years, and again, it's a big number because it's in the millions of hours, it's either 58 minutes or 58 seconds. Regardless, in less than one hour in God's perspective, Joseph has a dream and is now seeing it fulfilled. Isn't that weird? Isn't that wild? And you know that that scripture is only put in there so you can try with your human brain to understand something that cannot be understood. It's not God's... When it says a day and a thousand years, you could take it very literal. That's fine because we got the seven years, 7,000 years, three days, 3,000, you know, we're the morning of the third day, Christ. I mean... You look at all those things, and it certainly looks like the seven year and the third day and all that. You guys talk to me about that after if you don't know what I'm talking about, but I think we do. It's beyond. He's, the point is, it's so big. This is what he really was trying to say. My time is so different than yours that it won't even make sense. That when I look at you and you're saying, Lord, it's been 17 years that you promised me that this dream would be fulfilled and I'm still yet to see it. And the Lord says, I don't have a watch, but I had to go down to earth and borrow one and I only see 58 minutes. You're telling me all this stuff about 17 years. This is, do you know that this is what I read. That if you can read, you are more fortunate than over one billion people who cannot read at all. If you woke up this morning with more health and illness, that means you may have some illness, but you have more health and illness, then you are more fortunate than, mil than the million who will not survive this week. If you've never experienced the danger of battle, imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are ahead of 500 million people in the world. If you can attend any meeting, any that you want, political, religious, or social, then you are more fortunate than three billion people in the world. 
starts to bring some perspective when we're in our trial complaining to God, I don't deserve this. There was another thing I read. The question is, am I rich? This is this going to blow you away. If you have $2,200, not in cash, I mean assets, that means cars, clothes, iPads, iPhones cost $2,200 alone. If you have $2,200 to your name, you are in the top 50% of the world's wealthiest. If you made $1,500, not last week, last year, you're in the top 20% of the world's income earners. If you have sufficient food, clothes, it isn't worn out, live in a house, and you have a means of transportation, you are in the top 15% of the world's wealthy. If you earn, if you have $61,000 in assets, again, that's not what you made. That means you add up your car, you add up your clothes, you add up your house. I mean, the average house is a few hundred thousand or 500,000 in our area today. If you had $61,000 in assets, you ready for this? You are among the richest 10% of the world. If you have any money saved, this is any dollar amount now, any money saved. If you have a hobby that requires some equipment or supplies, if you have a variety of clothes in your closet, if you have two cars and you live in your own home, you are in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. If you earn more than $50,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the world's income earners. Talk about bringing some perspective. When we say to the Lord, I don't deserve this. Elijah is he left, but I was excited to share this because he, we just had a conversation, and he said to me, isn't it weird that certain people are born with the ability to sing? Just things like that. He's like, they didn't do anything to earn it. They're just born with it. They can use it however they want. And, he's, and, and I said, you know, it's, it's such a big question because now we say, well, it's not fair. It's not fair that someone gets to use a talent that they didn't do anything to get to make millions of dollars. Meanwhile, I wasn't born with that talent, so now I have to work much harder than you to get the same gain as you. And you know that that's the core to communism and socialism? That's the core sales to it? Why doesn't it work? Because humans are in between. Because you're gonna have, because it's always, ready for this? It's never, this is something, is, I told you you're not going to like me, but this is a reality we need to hear. Life is not fair. And as soon as you start to play the fair game and the deserve game, I promise you, God will tell you exactly what he thinks about that story. But here's the end, guys. That's not the end, is it? What is the end? I started with Revelation on purpose. I want you to hear the end. Every sorrow... Every tear, every trial, every tribulation, every struggle. You know that list I just read? It's irrelevant because it only is for a tiny gap of space. Again, measured against eternity so it doesn't even exist. 
I know your mind is like, it exists because I'm here, but it does not exist. Uh, mathematically, it equals zero. Which means that our life is so much more than we understand. What was jo Joseph's life for? Joseph's life was not put in that place for him, was it? He was going to save an entire nation. His name, even the coat of many colors, the blessing, the love, the blood of the lamb on him. It's all a picture of Christ who went ahead of us to save us and redeem us from our bondage. It wasn't about his life. Jesus said, I have nowhere to lay my head because this is not my home. Wow. As soon as we think this life, the burdens, the weights of this life, we need to come back to a reality check that this is but a glimpse. The, James calls it a vapor. This is but a passing wind of time. If there is such a thing. Praise God. The end of the story is two years later. Two more years when we say, I don't deserve this. God says, now's the moment. And brought Joseph out. Joseph's like, you should raise up a man. Now his dream's gone. He has no dream anymore. He's, he's like, I could just picture him. He's exhausted. He says, you know, it'd be a good idea if you take a guy. <laughs> you should find someone to... Take care of the grain because, you know, we're going to have, you're going to have trouble in this nation and I don't care anymore. You know, seven years of good time, seven years of bad time. I, I'm joking. Sorry, Lord. And Pharaoh says, who would be a better guy than you for that job? Puts his own ring, takes his ring off his finger. Come on, this is what the Lord did to you. You're like, Lord, but it's year 9, it's year 11, it's year 16, it's year 17. I haven't seen you do what you said you would do. And the Lord's like, just close your eyes. Just like yesterday is just a memory, so is this moment. And trust me, because before you know it, I'll be sliding on a ring, but it's not an earthly ring, it's an eternal one. I'm gonna be, you're going to be in glory with me forever and ever and ever. Praise God. That's the end of the story. And to live your life in reverse is to live from that perspective. I'm always looking at this moment from that moment. Praise God. We just thank you, Jesus, for this word. I thank you, Lord, that this is an anointed word from you to our hearts. And I pray you would just encourage us from the inside out, Lord, that we would trust you and we would walk with you, Lord, all the days of this life that we have on the earth, Lord. I thank you we'll be with you forever and ever. But Lord, in this time that we have, I pray that we would focus on you and on living every breath for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.